Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew, the fifth chapter, as we continue in studying the laws of discipleship. The laws of discipleship, Matthew chapter 5, and we come tonight to the fifth verse, or law number 4, or law number 3, actually, tonight. The fifth verse. Let's look at them, and let's read beginning with verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And tonight we come to this one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now I think it's real good for us to remind ourselves what the word blessed means. Happy is not a good translation. Happy seems to depend on things around us. And that's not at all what blessed means. Blessed means that we are indwelt by the nature of God Himself. And because of this, we can be fully satisfied in Him. And because of this, the turmoil around us cannot affect His deep abiding peace and nature as it works within us. And so to be blessed is a marvelous thing. And in law number one, we saw how we became blessed or indwelt by the nature of God. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor, being helpless, unable to help yourself spiritually. And we came to Jesus and cried out, and the Lord saved us. And there the kingdom of heaven was set up within us. And the kingdom is the territory where a king reigns. And when King Jesus reigns in our life, we walk in power and in authority. Then in verse 4 we see, blessed are they that mourn, as we came this morning to discover that once the nature of God begins to work within us, that nature begins to grieve as God grieves, to joy as God joys. And we saw today that blessed the sorrowing ones, the mourning ones, those who grieve over the things that God grieves over. And God begins to fill us with His compassion. That causes us to turn away from sin in our own life. But it also makes us compassionate to people around us who are suffering as a result of sin. And then tonight we come to blessed are the meek. Let me answer a question for you. I know many of you, as you sit there and you know that you're blessed, you say to me, Wayne, I don't experience that blessedness. I know the Word of God says that I have the nature of God in me, but I don't experience that blessedness. What is the condition that God has always given to His people that is always the condition for walking in His promise? The condition is this, chosen obedience. When I choose to walk the way that God wants me to walk, in John 14 and 21, He says, He that hath my commandments, he it is that loveth me. And He said, He that loveth me is loved by my Father. And Jesus said, I will come to Him and manifest myself to Him. How does He manifest? He makes real. He brings to life. He reveals in our life. And what is that? What He brings into my life is the reality of that blessedness, you see, that I've been wanting to experience. And the nature of God begins to work within me. Now the first three verses here are tied in together. The first three laws. We see, first of all, the first two are passive. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Helpless spiritually. 
And then we see another one tagged into it. Blessed are they that mourn and grieve over the sin that's in this world. But the third one is not passive. It becomes active. And if you see these things put together, there's a marvelous picture. And I want you to see several things tonight. First of all, the meaning of meekness. Do you know what it means to be meek? A lot of folks think that means weak or anemic or whatever, sickly and passive and and lying over in the corner and doing nothing. And I think you'll be surprised that I have been surprised in past days to discover that meekness actually is referring to anger and the proper kind. So let's look at the meaning of the word meek. The word in the Greek, if you want to write it down, is P-R-A-O-T-E-E-S. P-R-O-A. Or P-R-A-O-T-E-E-S. <laughs> Let me back up again. Eat them up words. All right, let's try it over again. P-R-A-O-T-E-E-S. That's the word in the Greek. Now what is that referring to? Aristotle in some of his writings and talking about meekness helps us understand this Greek word. For he says that meekness is a virtue. Now, a virtue, according to him, and something that we really need to lay hold of tonight, is something that stands between two extremes. In other words, it's a beautiful balance of something. For instance, a person who is a generous man stands between that extreme of being a spendthrift and between the extreme of being a miser. He doesn't waste his money, but he doesn't hoard his money. He's willing to give, but he knows when to give it, and he has a balance in his life. So therefore, he has virtue in his life. And when Aristotle says that meekness, the quality of being meek, is a virtue, he's simply referring to the fact it's a man who stands between the two extremes of excessive anger and excessive passivity. He's not all the time angry and he's not all the time passive. He knows when to be angry and he knows what to be angry at and he knows where to direct that anger. You see, he has a balance in his life. Boy, when I saw that, it excited me. You know, when the nature of God gets a hold of us, we don't lie back and lay over in the corner and grieve over the sin in this world. You see, when we start grieving as God grieves, God begins to direct us at what we can actively do about that sin. And so we see it's balanced anger. It's power and anger that is under control. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says what? Be angry. (laughs) But you've got to read the rest of it. And sin not. And so we see a beautiful picture being drawn for us. Here's a person helpless and poor in spirit. Unable to help himself. He's indwelt by the nature of God. The nature of God becomes a part of him. And as he's obedient to God's will, then that nature takes over. He begins to be compassionate for those around him. He begins to be grieved and he begins to mourn and sorrow for sin. But it doesn't stop there. He becomes angry at what sin is doing in the world. And he begins to take action. And he knows how to balance that. He knows when to be angry and what to be angry at. And so it's very important to see this quality work itself out. You know what bothers me? You mind if I just stop just a minute and share you what bothers me? <laughs> I say, I'm sure you're really interested. Do you know what bothers me? It bothers me when people say that Christians ought not get involved in many of the moral issues that are going on in these days. And let me tell you something. A lot of people direct an attack at a man by the name of Jerry Falwell. I don't know what you think about him. But I'll tell you this. There may be some things I'll disagree with him on. I don't know. I don't know him. But I'll tell you what, he is doing something every decent Christian ought to be doing. He's taking a stand. He's becoming aware. He is doing something about a problem that is swamping our society. And I don't understand why so many people throw rocks at a man. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. 
What am I saying? I'm listening, Lord. <laughs> Why did I say that? You see, anytime you make a stand, it's not going to be popular. The Lord Jesus wasn't. And meekness is simply anger under control. Knowing when to be angry and knowing where to direct that anger. You know, several months ago, they shared with me that this film that all the young people seem to be going to, and oh, I hope and pray none of you have been to see it. But this film called Porky's that I understand is such a, a ridiculous thing that's going on. They say that third graders are going into that show and nobody's even checking ages. All kinds of it. What are we going to do? Does the Christian lay over in the corner and weep because of it? No, sir. That is not in the Word of God. And I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody that can't get angry at the right things that are going on around us. And so what we're seeing here is the meaning of meekness. It's not sitting over in a corner and being passive. But it's becoming angry at the sin of this world. When are you angry? After you have grieved over seeing its result. You're compassionate in your heart for other people. But you're angry enough to know that there are things that you can do about it. I remember I went to a meeting that... Uh, Brother Jerry had in Jackson. I just wanted to see what was going on. Everybody told me what they thought. I'd rather go see for myself, wouldn't you? And I went and I was the only Southern Baptist pastor in the whole building, which I thought was a shame. And I heard him share some things that I didn't know. I was not aware of. I didn't know that the liquor uh, content in the blood in Mississippi was being raised constantly because all of the legislatures were mostly alcoholics. And none of the Christians ever knew this. And he went through the legislature just like that. And so he put a man lobbying into that fight to find out what was going on in our legislature. And when he found they were going to raise it, he got on the phone and buzzed the Christians all over the state. And it was like a network of God's people coming together. And they swarmed that man's office. And I guarantee you what it did. He went back down. But Christians began to wake up and began to realize to be meek is anger under control. It is not anger at the wrong person or, or the wrong thing. Before we don't war against people. But we're warring against something that's called sin. We grieve over it, but we are also angered by it. So the meaning of anger, it's a virtue. It stands between the extreme of being excessively anger and it stands angered and it stands between the extreme of being excessively passive. It is anger that is under control. Power that is under control. I understand it comes from a word that's talking about the taming and domesticating of a wild animal. Bringing all that energy under control. So we see a meaning here that excites me. If I had to sorrow all of my life and could do nothing else about it, that would bother me. But God didn't say that. God said, blessed are the sorrowing ones. They shall be comforted. But it also said, blessed are the meek, not the weak. But that's anger under control. Now, we need to see the manner of meekness. For if we don't realize this is the characteristic of the Lord Jesus Himself then we miss the whole point. Look with me to start off with in Mark, the third chapter. Mark, chapter 3. And I love to read of the situations of Jesus' life. Mark, chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6. Mark, chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6. It says, And he entered into the, again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. Now watch. Here's a man that is suffering because of sin. How does God react? How, what does he do? And it says, and they watched him. Who do you think they are? The scribes and the Pharisees always seeking to trap him. Watch. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day and that they might accuse him. Now he knew 
that if he did anything about this man with a withered hand, he was going to really catch it. Now, what's the nature of God? Is it to stand back and just be sorry, or is it to do something? And he saith unto the blind of the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto him, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. <laughs> they weren't about to answer that one quite yet. And look in verse 5. And when he had looked about upon them with what? What does your Bible say? Anger? Oh, now come on. Jesus wasn't angry. It's a sin for a Christian to be angry. Where would you get that? He looked about them with anger. And look what he said. Being grieved. Now look at that. Anger and grieving put together. Now there it is. There's meekness. There it is. The fruit of that power is right there. On one side he's grieving. On the other side he's angry. You see, it's under control. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. <laughs> Bless their hearts. It angered him, didn't it? And you see, we've got to remember how to control that anger. It's not anger out of control. It's anger that is under control. We've got to know when to be angry and where to direct that anger. Well, look in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29. Does the Bible have contradictions in it? Let's just see. Oh, and I hope I wrote these verses right. After this morning, I'm shell-shocked. Now here is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, and this is what causes a lot of people to think there's contradictions in the Word of God. Watch. In verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And friend, if you don't understand meekness, you can really miss the point of what Jesus was trying to bring across in that verse. So many people use that verse. Oh, but he's meek and lowly. <laughs> Oh, that's two different characteristics altogether. Yes, lowly in one sense of the word, and no, no, com, no, no appearance is so as to people to be drawn to him. But on the other hand, meek, angry at the things that sin had done into this world. Well, watch. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 21. Just kind of keep your thumbs ready tonight. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12. Now, I want you to see a time when he was really subdued. Now, this is a very subdued day in the life of Jesus. And I'm being facetious. Look at verse 12 in Matthew 21. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and brought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. How do you think he said that? It is written, My house is the house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. He didn't say it that way, and you know he didn't say it that way. What's wrong with that? He went in there and said, You've made it a, a den of thieves. Boy, he was angry. It says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. <laughs> He took care of the ones that were afflicted because of the sin and suffering in their life. Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 16 in verse 23. Another occasion where Jesus knew when to be angry. Simon Peter got his foot in his mouth again. Simon Peter is like a lot of us. He never stuck his foot in his mouth. He just get in and walk around a little while. He just made it right when he did it. And a lot of folks say, well, I'm just like Simon Peter. Well, don't you ever tell me that. I don't want to be that way. <laughs> Maybe after John 21, but not before. Well, it says in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, 
Let's back up a little bit and, and uh, let's see what happened. Look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Now you just tell him what's fixing to happen at Calvary. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, thou shalt not, this shall not be unto thee. Now that's real exciting of Simon Peter, isn't it? And look at what Jesus said to him in verse 23. And he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. What do you, how do you think he said it? Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> no way. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Angry. Why was he angry? Because Simon Peter actually came against his very purpose and direction in life. Well, let's look again. In John chapter 18 and verse 23. John chapter 18 and verse 23. Let's see, let's pick it up verse 19 of that chapter. It says, The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly in the world. Jesus never hid himself. I, I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whether the Jesus where the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. I haven't talked behind you back. And then verse 21. He says, Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me which I, what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I've said. And Jesus said, Why do you bother me? Why don't you ask the people to listen to me? In verse 22. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? A question. And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Do you mean the Son of God was protesting something? Yes, he sure was. I want to show you a principle here that a lot of folks don't understand. Now tomorrow... Don't miss part two of this great teaching on verse-by-verse -verse Bible study with Dr. Wayne Barber. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.